0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air, I'm Don Marsh. Today the subject is Gene Editing. It excites some and concerns some others. Joining me to talk about it are Vijay Chauhan. He's with Global STL, which promotes development and advancement of biosciences. Dina Ladd is executive director of Missouri Cures. It promotes medical research in the state of Missouri. And Natalie DeNicola is chief communications officer with Benson Hill Biosystems. Its focus is on advancing means to feed a growing world population. Thank you all so much for being with us on this election day.
1: Thank you, Don.
0: BJ, let me start with you. What is gene editing? So it's a
2: technology that has been progressing along the pathway from the day we discovered the genomes that we have, the information that's in it, and the potential for us to be able to uh, try and improve the health of human beings, the production of agriculture, or even uh, plant agriculture. Uh, of looking for ways to improve how one can make uh, those technologies pay off. So as the word gene editing suggests, it is really like a cut and paste of the genes of the various species that we're trying to improve. But how do we do it? Yeah, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> the genes it, aren't very big.
2: <laughs> yeah, so the, the, the remarkable thing, and I think Natalie will be able to speak to this also, is that uh, they have developed... A enzyme-based technology that is able to go and identify the region of the gene that you want to target very precisely, and then just like a scissor, cut and paste, uh, snip out the piece that you don't want, and uh, put in place the gene that you do want, uh, or even repair it. So it's a very precise uh, cutting and pasting, almost like, you know, home craft work but at the level of the gene. Hmm. Uh, and that's what this technology has been able to do very, very effectively.
0: Natalie, it's, it's very, very difficult for me to comprehend what Vijay is talking about. What, what can you add to that?
3: Well, um, particularly for plants, which is where we mm-hmm. focus more of our, foc- our efforts. So um, we know the different genes within a plant, and we're getting more and more information about what those different genes are. They're regulated by different kinds of promoters that can help a gene be expressed more or less. And a gene, of course, then is translated to make proteins, which goes on to make all the things, all the cells and all the things within our bodies and within plants and what. Um, What gene editing allows us to do is really much more precisely be able to address how those different genes are being expressed. So in particular for plants, Most people wouldn't know this, but the genome of a plant is actually more complex than that of a human being. Mm. There's lots of different genes, they're being expressed in different ways within lots of varieties of a particular plant species. So we're able to go into the natural genetic diversity that exists within that crop plant, and we can see this plant is expressing a gene really um, strongly and it's causing some kind of uh, impact that we really like. But this variety, that's the one that has all the other attributes we want, isn't really expressing that particular gene very strongly, and we'd like it to express more. With gene editing, we're actually able to address that particular gene that we're interested in and be able to help it express more or even knock it out if we wanted to. So it's allowing very precise um, expression within the the genome. And they do that by using some of the machinery around... um,
1: turning on and turning off those proteins. Yeah.
0: Well, Dina, how do we apply this then to medicine and health?
1: So, in medical research, uh, gene editing technologies—they have—they um, hold a tremendous promise to treat genetically defined diseases. Um, using genome editing, scientists and clinicians uh, may not only treat the symptoms of the disease but address the underlying root cause of the genetic level. So, such as treating sickle cell or um, treating other types of um, diseases, so they can really get to the root cause, the genetic cause.
0: I would think the, the most promising application would be for something like cancer.
1: Yes, definitely. And, you know, there's also the gene therapies that are going on. So gene therapy refers to a method that introduces one or more new copies of the gene into the patient's genome. And, um, so the first FDA-approved gene therapy was was Chimera to treat leukemia. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of press, and then for genome editing, by contrast, corrects or removes a defect in the natural context of that gene. Mm-hmm. So.
0: VJ, are, are we tinkering too much with the genes, whether it be plant or in the human genome?
2: So we are not tinkering that much yet, but you know the tool has the potential of creating so much opportunity that it creates that uh, this temptation, yeah. if you will. So it's always, with all great technology, one has to be very careful uh, to create the rules of engagement, the rules of use, and the whole regulatory and bioethical construct in which all this needs to be done. And you know that's the dialogue that's going on with a lot of good stakeholders at the table. I think people are realizing that this has tremendous potential but needs to be very carefully harnessed and brought to the uh, end benefits of humankind. And if we don't do it well, then we will step away from something that can be very promising because we have not set up the rules of engagement and and brought all the the stakeholders together on this.
0: Okay. Let me come back to Gina with regard to the, the, the human situation here. Mm-hmm. Where is the oversight in the kind of research that's going on in the health field?
1: Well, it was interesting. In May, I sit on a national board for regenerative medicine, and so the FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, spoke to us. He's ex- extremely excited about gene therapy. But I will say that they are really taking the time, as VJ said, in bringing all the stakeholders to the table and making sure this is done in the correct way, in an ethical way. Um, they were doing a gene editing um, with cystic fibrosis, I'm sorry, sickle cell, and that trial was shut down in June until they make sure that everything is being done in a thoughtful way. So I can say Commissioner Gottlieb said, very excited about these therapies, but we're going to make sure it's done correctly in the United States.
0: And Natalie, there is some controversy in the the plant sciences field because there are some people who don't think this is a good idea. Some farmers, for instance, don't like it.
3: Well, I think... um it's important to understand that for crop plants, we have been uh, genetically changing those for hundreds and hundreds of years, really. Um, and and most of that has been done through traditional breeding, where we're taking the entire plant genetics and essentially shuffling them to try to get the outcome that we want, which takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of money. And um, as a result, we haven't had as much genomic improvement in all the different crops that are out there that people want to see in their food system. So one of the the things that's really exciting about gene editing is it allows us to really identify what are the specific kinds of changes we want to make and just make those kinds of changes so that we can improve the flavor profile, we can improve even health and nutrition within a certain crop, um, and we can include a lot of the things that are very important to farmers. Mm -hmm. You know, farmers are really challenged with trying to grow enough food for our growing population, of which we're going to have to grow more food in the next 30 to 40 years than we have in the last 10,000 accumulated. Mm. And they're trying to do that in the face of a changing climate and a lot of resource constraints with water and other things. Um, innovations and tools are part of how they can go about trying to address that challenge for uh, for all of us and, of course, for their own profitability of their farms. And what this kind of tool allows us to do is focus on those farmer benefits and consumer benefits at the same time in a lot of different crop species.
0: Vijay, how do you react to critics? So I think, you know, uh, this
2: is an issue for beyond just this gene editing topic, and that is this is the sign of our times, and that is the more we are able to hear each other out and really have a constructive dialogue, it bodes well for these kinds of innovations to come forward. Uh, But one also has to be very careful To not just have a non-fact, non-science-based discussion, uh, slowing down a fact-based, scientific-based approach that needs to progress. So uh, that requires people to uh, recognize that there's only so much my ability as a person to participate in a dialogue is, and I need to realize the limitations of what expertise Mm -hmm. I have, and let the other party that's got the deep expertise continue that conversation. So a lot of times we find today people who are not experts having very strong opinions Mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, hijacking a very important initiative. uh, And that's something that can be hurtful.
0: There's potentially a lot of, I mean, the toothpaste is out of the tube in this particular technology now. I mean, people are working on it, regardless of the critics. But uh, this is potentially a a tremendous uh, economic Uh, has tremendous economic potential. I've heard it could be a $100 billion industry, a related industry, within the next few years.
2: Absolutely. This is, you know, as Natalie was explaining, we've been using blunt tool techniques to solve for the problems. Until now, we've been good. That's been good enough. But the challenges of our society to be able to feed a large population or to take care of the health of our populations as we're all aging The healthcare spending is really dramatically increasing. One needs now sharper and sharper and more and more precise tools. Mm -hmm. And that's what technology and innovation and progress is all about. So, you know, just like we have in the pure tech world, what has happened with Google and Facebook and so on, they unleash a lot of good and then there are some concerns. We have to navigate the same thing here. But at the end of the day, we have to find a way to bring these kinds of technologies in a responsible way. Into the marketplace.
0: It's coming like it or not. I mean, it's, it, it, it has to happen, is the message I'm getting.
2: And you know, if you put on the global competitiveness landscape, it's a whole nother ballgame. You know, the United States is doing a really good job of bringing this technology in a very responsible way. If you go to China, this has become a cent, 21st century bet. Artificial intelligence, machine learning, gene editing, these are the technologies that China has placed a big bet on. And they're moving really aggressively, and they're going to leave us behind if all we do is have a debate that doesn't result in progress.
0: I have to take a break now. Let's do that. We'll come back, and we will continue our conversation on Gene editing in just a moment. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening to this St. Louis on the Air podcast supported by University College at Washington University with undergraduate and graduate programs part-time evening and online. University College at Washington University offering world-class education within reach. Hello again and welcome back as we continue our conversation on gene editing. My guests in studio are Vijay Chauhan with the Global STL, Dina Ladd, Executive Director of Missouri Cures, and Natalie DeNicola is with Benson Hill Biosystems. Natalie, how far can we take this? I mean, what, what is the range? How far out can we see as to where we can go with this?
3: Well, um, I think that one of the things that I find really exciting about this kind of um, tool is, as we mentioned, you know, there's some mega trends that we're up against in terms of feeding our population in a sustainable way. And at the same time, consumers care a lot more about what's in their food and, our, and their health and nutrition, which is really important. And we want things to taste great. And there has been a lot of investment in the last few years in food and agriculture, much of it coming from non-traditional types of, of investors, who, to VJ's point, are looking at Um, data science, analytics, artificial intelligence, and biology as being combined in ways to help meet some of these big challenges that we have. And so um, what we're really excited about is how this kind of tool can really empower a lot of different kinds of companies and organizations that are working on a lot of different crops and a lot of different needs out there, a lot of different traits that people want, so that we can have a lot more diversity in our food system as we meet these challenges. Most of the focus in improving genetics in food and agriculture, a lot of it has been in just a few crops. In mm-hmm. fact, um, almost two thirds of our calories globally come from five crops. And so, but really, there's thirty thousand edible plant species. Um, there's so much more that we c- we can be doing in terms of improving pulses and legumes that are important for plant-based proteins, for, in, for instance, um, different kinds of leafy greens, even indoor ag- agricultural production of those, different kinds of um, specialty grains. So there's, there's a lot of different opportunities out there, but there's
1: also a lot of need.
0: Right, uh, Dina, let me ask you to look to the horizon and see how far you think that this can go in your field.
1: Um, I think in the medical research field, it, it can go far. But as as, as VJ said, you know, in China, they are definitely outpacing us. But I think in the United States, I have to commend what the FDA and the NIH are doing and really making sure that this is done in a safe and effective way. There's, It's exciting to think about, um, with genetic diseases, being able to do gene editing so that perhaps – someone's child is not born with, you know, sickle cell or Mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis. So there's a lot of exciting opportunity in the medical research field, but it needs to be done in a safe and effective way.
0: Where would you like to take it, Vijay?
1: I I like to play the optimistic side of this
2: to the potential. I think this has got the potential to really address some of the big, big challenges that we have as we age, uh, as we are born with these Uh, diseases that can be addressed very, very efficiently and dramatically improve people's lives. Uh, So I think the technology has a great potential and the pathway to getting there, if we do it brick by brick, with the uh, communities involved behind us, then I think the potential is unlimited.
0: We have a caller, uh, Tom, calling from St. Louis, who wants to get into the discussion. Let's bring him in, and I'll invite invite other calls as well. It's 382-8255. That's 382-TALK. So uh, let's go to Tom first and see what he has to say. You're on the air, Tom.
4: Thank you, Don. Um, I want to ask if my line of reasoning uh, makes sense to any of your guests. Uh, uh, When we eat a traditional apple or uh, bite of fish, Um, we are consuming proteins, chemicals, molecules that uh, are familiar to our physiology. Everything in that bite uh, is already known inside ourselves. But with some of this genetically uh, modified material, we're creating new proteins, new molecules that are unfamiliar, and the downstream negative effects of those uh, new things could be years or decades uh, down the road in the lifespan, and while some of the animal models will screen some of those effects out they 're not going to catch everything and for that reason uh, i wouldn 't want my kids uh, being exposed to you know uh, foods or medicines that are unnecessary, um, maybe they help keep costs down for the producers, but they they 're a risk for me now on the other side. Uh, With medicines, if I had a life-threatening condition, that might be a risk that I'm willing to take. But uh, I'm skeptical because of the profit mode of driving a lot of this research. I'm very skeptical about, uh, you know, blue watermelons. You know, that might be fun and it might make somebody a lot of money, but uh, I'm not going to be one of the first people to eat that.
0: Uh, Tom, thanks for the call. How about who would like to take that, particularly with regard to What we're learning today may turn out to be something quite different down the road. BJ, do you want to start with that?
2: Yeah, you know, one has to be, you know, Tom is uh, making a lot of valid points about how this technology has to have real benefits for all the stakeholders and if it only has benefits for the folks who are developing it and has unknown risks for the folks who are being sold that this is a great thing. Uh, then that's not a win-win proposition. Uh, So one has to be very careful and listen to what Tom is talking about because uh, there are some good examples of uh, where he's coming from. On the other hand, uh, there are ways in which uh, one can create a very clear case for what the problem is, how much value society places on addressing it, uh, how A, technology, maybe gene editing or something else or, you know, what Mm -hmm. mankind as a whole figures out as a way to solve for it. And then make sure that when it is brought to the marketplace, all the research has been done to make sure that it will provide the benefits and will be safe. All of that has been done. uh, And that's how we have progressed as a species. If we just sat and just did what we always did a 1,000 years ago, we wouldn't be where we are today. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think progression of technology has to be done responsibly, but I believe that there is a way to do that, and it's not an all or nothing.
0: Medina, have you you given any thought, uh, you and yours, to this notion that what is applied today and seems to be working today could have uh, negative results down the road?
1: Well, I certainly think that the researchers that I work with here in Missouri and certainly around the country, and um, I just was at a gene therapy um, symposium out in San Diego with a lot of companies who are in that field. And I do have to give kudos to the researchers. I mean, they really take this seriously um, as they go forward with their, you know, gene editing and so forth. And they're not mm-hmm. going to move at a pace um, until a fast pace until things are really looked at and, um, safe methods are put into place. And again, I think in the United States, we have to say that is something that, again, the FDA and the NIH does, um, which, you know, which is the way it should be.
0: Natalie, it seems that St. Louis is pretty well positioned, uh, in, in, with regard to this field, the whole gene editing field. Why, why is that?
3: Well, um, I mean, for our medical community, that's one, one strength. But in the food and agriculture area in particular, um, we are here in the heartland where we have, um, agriculture a main part of our economy in our state. There's about a hundred thousand farms employing about 400,000 people and it represents about two third of our land areas in, in agriculture. Um, but I think it also, we also have in our particular city quite a bit of, um, talent and expertise around plant biology. And we're seeing that getting combined with things like data analytics and data science and machine learning capabilities so that we can actually become quite an epicenter of being able to combine these things together. And, and if I can make one point to your last caller, because I do think he raises a, you know good questions and it's great that he is asking questions. Um, in food, breeding through plant breeding – Um, which we've been doing for a long time, we're actually really shuffling the entire plant genome over and over and over again, trying to get the right exact combination of different traits we want. One of the things that's pretty neat about gene editing, and it's not the same in every single application, but in many of the applications, what we're really trying to do is look at the natural genetic diversity that already exists within that plant and then make smarter combinations faster rather than having to do such a long kind of breeding process. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to work within the natural genetic diversity that already exists. And if I give an example of quinoa, you know, quinoa is a superfood, uh, nutrient-packed, but it has a really bitter, bitter flavor from a particular um, chemical that it makes naturally. And right now, in order to eat that, we have to wash it out with lots and lots of water, which affects the sustainability of the crop and also washes away some of the nutrients. But we can go into the genome and down-regulate that gene or knock it out so that it's not making that particular chemical, and we've a- avoided all that extra processing which is within that uh, food. That's just an example.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope I'm going to pop quiz uh, <laughs> right after this program. That's complicated stuff. I mean, uh, uh, thank God for people out there who are working on this sort of thing. Very quickly, Dina, um, the, with regard to the, the medical community, yes. uh, what, what kind of research is going on right now?
1: Well, I can tell you if you come to the symposium on November thirteenth. Um, getting to
0: that next, yes.
1: So um, on the medical research panel, accelerating cures and advancing human health, we have two amazing speakers. We have Dr. Dongsheng Duan. He's from the University of Missouri Columbia uh, in the neurology department, and his um, gene editing research deals with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And through a mouse model, they have done gene editing to where it lasts for, um, you know, a total of uh, 18 months, which is remarkable. And then also on that panel is Dr. Corey Levine, and he's with Washington University School of Medicine in the cardiology department. And so they both have made great strides and are doing amazing work and gene editing.
0: Lots going on, and that's going to be happening on the 13th at the Plant Science Center, the Danforth Plant Science Center. Just a few seconds left, Vijay. In a few seconds, uh, what final thought do you want to leave us with?
2: Yeah, you know, building on your earlier question, Don, I think St. Louis is really well positioned to be a major player in gene editing technology and the benefits that it will deliver for mankind on the human health side, on the ag side, and also on the animal side.
0: We'll leave it at that. Thank you all so much for being with us. Dean Ladd of Missouri Cures, thank you. Vijay Chauhan of Global STL and Natalie De Nicola with Benson Hill Biosystems. Reminder, that's on the 13th from 9 to noon at the Plant Science Center. They'll have that event.